0: hey there welcome to the girl go global podcast where faith and works are empowered with every episode we're embracing our multi-layered lives with faith know-how and grit i'm your host dr jasmine and i'm ready to go global with you let's get started Welcome to the Girl Go Global podcast where faith and works are empowered. I'm your girl, Dr. Jasmine, and I'm so excited that you decided to join me today. This is the community where we join our faith and our works to live out a courageous life for which God created us. So if you are ready to step into your power, step into the calling that you feel within, This is the place to be, the Girl Go Global community. Don't forget to subscribe to our mailing list, our blogs. We got a lot going going on over here in the Girl Go Global community. Don't forget to roll back some of those podcast episodes. Check out my book, Your Heart Rhythm, Surviving Singleness with Faith, Know-How, and Grit. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. As our podcast, we are dropping consistent content regularly, y'all. So you don't want to miss it. So be a part of the community. Join and link up. Get involved with what we are doing today, today, today. I'm so excited to have with me a dynamic guest, y'all. I have with me Miss Allie Henny. Allie is a writer, speaker, advocate, minister, and vice president of The Witness, a Black Christian collect- collective, an organization committed to encouraging, engaging, and empowering Black Christians toward lim- liberation from racism, y'all. She has her MDiv. She's been to seminary. She focuses on racism. She focuses on cultural identity reconciliation, and she hopes to lead the church someday. I'm so excited to have Ellie with me. She is also author of I won't shut up. Finding your voice when the world tries to silence you. Miss Allie, would you please, please, please introduce yourself to the Girl Go Global community?
1: Hi, everyone. It's an honor and a pleasure to be here with y'all today. Um, Yeah, I'm looking forward to our conversation.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. I want to jump right in. And I'm so excited you decided to join me today. This is going to be great. This is going to be a topic that I haven't discussed with anyone other than around my couch right so I'm bringing this conversation to the podcast this is something that is very intriguing to me and so I just want to jump right in tell us why we shouldn't shut up Allie
1: yeah you know we shouldn't shut up about racism because we are created in God's image and racism is something that really tries to tear down the image of God in black and brown and indigenous folks. And so it's important for us to speak up against that. It's important for us to push back against that and really, you know, to just find your voice and to discuss these types of things, even whenever the conversation can maybe be difficult, whenever it can maybe, um, you know, maybe cost us something. I think that it's important to let people know that we are here and we are important and we are deserving of dignity and respect and to, you know, not just like sit down and take the things that that um, racism and that people who do racism want to try to throw onto us.
0: I love that. I think the spin that you put on it is you talk about, um, I do believe within your book, you know, in the church right the this how racism may show up in the church so some of us may understand how we experience racism from day to day you know in our in in the work setting um and out just outside moving about in the culture right but i do i do think you put a spin on it or add a added layer a nuance if you will because you you do talk about racism in the church can you tell us more about what you talked about in your book what that means and how you're adding value to conversations on that topic
1: so i would say that you know the church is more of the setting of some of the racism and stuff that i experienced and i talk about racism within within american christianity a bit in the book but um as somebody i've been in voc- vocational ministry for about 20 years now mm-hmm. uh close to close to 20 years um and so yeah it's just something that that that's sort of my setting so whenever you talk about like the workplace or you talk about like you know with with people whenever you're just kind of out and about or whatever uh having you know, lived and grown in um predominantly white towns i spent i grew up in a in a white a uh, t- tiny white uh rural town in Missouri went to college um in Springfield Missouri which is the third largest city in the state and so that that city um whenever i started living there it was like greater than 95% white. I think it's down to like maybe 88% white now. Um but it was like great it was like 95% white or greater I think whenever I first moved there. Um over about about 20 years ago now. And so um, I live in Chicago now. I live on the on the south side of Chicago now. So my context mm. is um, is much different now. It's been much different since I since I've moved here. But most of the places where I've lived and, and have spent my life, I've been in contexts where um, I've had to I've had to navigate being around white people and around people who um, who are doing racism effectively. And so um, the way that the church sort of intersects with Mm -hmm. that is that whenever I was in college um, I started attending a predominantly white church. And so I ended up going to this church, ended up becoming a staff member um, I moved and moved back. It's a whole, again, you know, it's, a whole, it's a whole story, which is why it's in was just why it's in the book. Mm-hmm. But all of that to say then um to your question is that for me, the the setting, a lot of the the site and the source of racism and of harm, of racial harm that I experienced was in that particular um type of setting where I was where I was in a predominantly white church. So, like I said, it wasn't just my place of worship, it was also my place of worship it was also um one of my one of my main social outlets one of the main places um where i interacted with people and stuff so just so naturally a lot of the stories and a lot of the setting um would be within the church but i say all that then to say that um even though that setting is in the church i think that a lot of the things that i bring out is not just it's not just like super churchy like oh and here's and here's like some scriptures and here's it, it's not it's not really it's not really churchy like that it's more like here's the setting and here's some commentary on how american how white american christianity perpetuates some of these things but really this can happen anywhere mm. and these types these types of experiences i really... Really feel like people would be able to relate to many of the experiences that even though there's some there's some things that um, are colored by the fact that oh this is this is a church that this is happening in this is like a prayer meeting that yeah. somebody is doing something racist in this is your place of work that happens to be a, a, a church that you're that that i'm sharing these experiences from i think that there is an awareness to to all of this that I think other people will find um, people who even maybe people who are non-Christians. I, in fact, I know that that non-Christians have found um, a deep sense of resonance with the things that I've pointed out, even though that setting is is uh, church. So I think that, you know, people, uh, your your listeners and stuff and, and readers of this book will find a, a deep sense of resonance that, again, you know, even though it might not be your place of worship that you've had these experiences, um, there are my experiences that I, that i talk about in this book will rhyme with your own experiences and i and i talk some about just even how to um how to navigate some of that how to evaluate some of the institutions and things that you're part of. Um, and just, i just really giving um, talking about my experiences and really getting into some of the heart of it, but mm-hmm. also getting into some, some practical ideas and and tips and that sort of thing.
0: Okay. Okay. That makes sense. How would you define white American Christianity? You know, we hear a lot these days about white evangelicals. <laughs> you know, we hear a lot of different terms. And I don't know if we all understand definitions of what that exactly means and how, how what the intersection of that means, how we define it. You know, some of us go to uh, multicultural churches, you know, where is it? So how would you define that? And why did you feel it is so important enough to kind of bring it out in your book?
1: Yeah, so that's a great question. You know, um, I think that there's multiple that there's multiple layers of it. Mm-hmm. So first of all, I'll I'll actually kind of start um I'll start from a different place. So instead of starting from the from the point of like what makes a church a white church, I'll start from the point of like what would define like a black church or okay. a church that is a, that is a non-white church, and so of course you know we have um, some of our um, historic black uh, do not churches and denominations. That those um, are things like you know the A.M.E. the the African Methodist Episcopal Church, um, African African American. African Methodist Episcopal Church Zion. Um, you've got, you know, you've got the Church of God in Christ. You've got the the National Baptist um, Church because, uh, yeah, I believe that they that they are historically black. I was confused National Baptists and uh, and American Baptists, so forgive me out there. And they and the, both of those denominations might be black, but for but forgive me if I if I miscalled those. But I remember I used to go to a Baptist church that we sang out of the um, National Baptist National baptist hymnal or something like that or national american baptist hymnal or whatever i can't even remember the name of it but y'all know what i'm talking about yeah. if you know you, if yeah. you know you know the the, the ray the ray <laughs> hymnal oh yes. you know if you if you know if you know what i if you know you know um but there's some different denominations and stuff and and churches um that were that were founded um for black people by black people and um led by black people. Um, you get into Pentecostalism. I mentioned Church of God and Christ. Uh, there's also um, the Pentecostal Assemblies of the World. There, there are dozens, dozens. you have dozens of, <laughs> of denominations. Um, but then within that, you also have what um, my friends at The Witness with my friends um Jamar Tisby and Tyler Burns um, on their Pastor Mike podcast. They talk about um the expansive Christian, the expansive Black Christian tradition. So whenever you start to get into that you start to get into um churches or denominations um that maybe they were either you know started by white people um, or uh, the majority of churches might in the denomination or whatever might be might be uh, white or might be another another ethnicity. Um, but you have black churches um, within those movements or even or within those denominations. I and mean, even um, some of you, the independent churches and some of and some of that movement where um, you have churches that might be multi ethnic, that might be multi that might be multicultural um, that but are predominant black or are led by black pastors and so um so you know for example i i used to be i grew up baptist went to a baptist church um until i was a teenager and then my family uh, started attending a pentecostal church um whenever i was in middle school and high school and both of those were in historic uh, black denominations and so then um you know, I've, whenever I went off to went off to college and became a young adult, I was in I was in some um different black or excuse me, different white um non-denominational churches and Pentecostal churches and whatever. And so now I actually um am a member of the Episcopal Church and I attend a Black Episcopal church in Chicago. And there are lots of black Episcopal churches um in Chicago. There are a lot of black Lutheran churches In Chicago, there's a lot of Black, uh, you know, United Church of Christ or whatever um, that are part of denominations that are typically predominantly white but you have the that black church uh presence that black church culture and all those things and it's just and it's just a a, a mainstream white denomination and not and not um and not a black denomination so then you can generalize some of those things um to other races and ethnicities and whatever so then whenever we talk about whenever i talk about um white christianity I mean, basically everybody who's every every church, every denomination that's white or predominantly white, that doesn't that doesn't fit into some of the categories that I named. And so then within that kind of the two, uh, the the two or three kind of big umbrella groups um, would be white Catholics, which of course, you know, there are a majority of Catholics in the world are actually non-white, that the expression um, of Catholicism in the world, most of those people aren't, are not white, but you have white Catholicism. um, And then you have white Protestantism. And so then the two kind of major subgroups, and I'm oversimplifying this a lot, but the two major subgroups within, um, within kind of white Protestantism then is white, white mainline. Protestants. And so that's your Episcopalians, your United Church of Christ, um, your uh, Disciples of Christ, um, your your Presbyterian Church uh, in the USA, um, those types of denominations. And then you have um, the Evangelicals. And so then you have white Evangelicals. And so those are again white white predominantly white white led churches denominations movements um stuff like you know the assemblies of god stuff like the southern baptist convention and of course there are black churches in the southern baptist convention and though and those black churches would be a part of the expansive black christian tradition um but then the denomination itself and the culture of the denomination um itself is White Christianity, and so um that's you know maybe maybe the synodic group maybe maybe way more information uh than you than you want to know about that. I'm a little bit of a person that that you know like denominations and kind of the different things or something, um that's a, that's really been an area of interest of mine for the last uh, several decades now I guess at this point, um but yeah so whenever I say you know whenever I'm talking about white Christianity, um I'm talking primarily um about white evangelicalism even though there are some things that i could say you know in terms of in terms of race and racism that would um that would definitely apply to uh white mainline churches typically mainline or more kind of progressive denominations have done they they have tried to take a more vocal and a better stance against racism Mm. than um, some of their evangelical uh, counterparts Mm. and um and that, you know, and I think, and I say that, and, you know, yes, there's a, like, like, you know, the Southern Baptist Convention, you know, had statements about race and racism, yet, like, within the, the culture and stuff, within many of the churches and within the denomination itself, um, is actually, there, there can be some anti-Blackness, there can be, um, some racism and some different, and some different things, not to, you know, call, call different people, call different denominations out and stuff, but there, um, but sometimes in white evangelicalism, there is a like a pervasive kind of culture um, that really just wants to take like this sort of approach where we don't want to acknowledge race or we don't want to acknowledge color or or any kind of difference. Because in doing so, then um that that would that would sometimes cost them something. They would have to deal with their very difficult history, or they would have to deal with, um, some of the ways currently that they're treating, uh, people from historically excluded, uh, racial and ethnic minorities. And so it's really kind of a, a Pandora's box, uh, whenever you really start to, start to get into it of just kind of what, what some of these differences are, but also, um, really just kind of the, the posture of some, uh, churches and the denominate the individual churches um, individual pastors but also the posture of the movements and of the organizations and of the denominations themselves and so um, yeah so there's there's been recently just where Um, We're seeing where a lot of churches and denominations and um, individuals and movements have not done well with race and racism and with this conversation that has been percolating over the last several years.
0: Yeah. To your point, uh, I, I have seen, you know, just with the tragic loss of during COVID we had some police brutality incidents and we're watching people die or be assaulted by police or uh black people and I have seen and we all have right where more white pastors are coming forward to be a part of the conversation and speaking out against it whereas in the past it might not have been as loud or as clear and I'm not sure if it's because we were all many of us on lockdown where we had a front and center um, attention on the topic, right? And then we could hear it. I I won't say that no white pastor has ever spoke out against racism or defended black people against race in, in challenges and all of those kinds of things. But I just think um, it's just been an increase. We we started to have increased conversations around this topic. That's just a nutshell. And so um, I did recently see a. I don't know i think it was a clip from one of pastor john gray's uh teachings or preachers i don't know if it was a bible study or just whether well, he was just talking to his congregation and he was i think it was him please forgive me if it wasn't him but he i think he was talking about how uh a lot of times in these different white churches where black voices are not on boards or they are their talent is accepted but maybe not some of their intellectual property or prowess is not in such a a way where they're among the leadership in a predominantly white church, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts there? Do you talk a little bit about how how we can be the choir director? We can be the organist. We can be the praise and worship leader, right? Even maybe we can be on the creative Mm -hmm. side around what Mm -hmm. goes on in the church and maybe we can... Do certain level of ministry outreach but we're maybe not seen as part of the leadership ranks in ministry as far as the ministerial staff or even executive pastor you know all the, I don't know all the different layers you probably know more than me I've been in church all my life but you know
1: <laughs> yeah um, you know does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that make, that makes sense. And you know, this is something that I discuss, not even necessarily directly um as it relates to church, but just like in general, but again, this applies directly mm. to the church where oftentimes black people are in organizations are used as as window dressing. Mm. And so we're just sort of used as like, oh, look, here you exist and this place is diverse so here more people more black people come and be part of our organization see we're not racist and um but then we're not we're not At those tables and in those meetings and in those spaces where we can actually um, determine and exercise self-determination for how the organization is going to handle race and racism and how they're going to deal with different things. And specifically, even in the church, um, I think that that what you've said is correct. Um, Oftentimes... I've I've seen this in my in my own experience where black people will be cast in, a, in in multicultural churches um will be cast in certain roles or I should say multicultural churches and um and uh predominantly white churches black folks will be cast in certain roles and um, so it is always very stereotypical. It's always either something that is that has to do with music, or it has to do with caring for people. Mm-hmm. So it's so we are we are good enough. To be the care pastors at the church, we're good enough to work in the nursery. We're good enough um, to to do something, even like administrative type stuff, where we're where we're organizing stuff and getting and getting people together and doing that sort of thing. We're trusted with those types of things. We're trusted with if you can get up if you can get up and sing, or if you can play an instrument or something like that, or you know, to be to be like the effervescent host um, of the service, or to be somebody on uh on a video doing announcements but then whenever it comes to being in the pulpit mm-hmm. or when it comes to serving in on the board or it comes to being an elder or a deacon or whatever the the upper level of polity um within within the church is We we are often overlooked and sometimes even just straight up just passed over Mm -hmm. for those types of positions. Or what I've also seen is that sometimes sometimes churches will that they will recognize oh this person has speaking gifts this person has preaching gifts this person has whatever and they'll and they'll platform us, but then sometimes it comes it comes with stipulations right so it comes with you know you've got to you've got to change something about yourself in order to make everybody feel comfortable with you being here so i've i've seen this before where um i i've, I've seen it where in a multi ethnic church you might have somebody Who they started out, and maybe they started out singing on the worship team, and you know, the way that they dressed, the way that they carried themselves, or whatever, it was fine for being on the worship team, but then. Whenever it's time for that person to be to be quote unquote like promoted within the church, so okay, you know we're gonna let you speak, we're gonna we're gonna let you um, lead a, a, a small group, or we're gonna let you um, you know be a campus pastor or something like that. Well, you know you gotta you gotta change. You know you can't you you can't you gotta change how you talk. You gotta change how you dress. You gotta change how you do that type of stuff. Meanwhile, those same standards don't exist for white people who who enter into those positions white people white people have a have a different have a different um have a different have a different regimen that that they that they end up going through if there's even a regimen at all and i've seen and i've seen so many times where almost like whenever we bring ourselves whenever we bring our culture whenever we bring whatever to the table um our our culture, our slang, that type of stuff, is good enough for marketing. It's good enough. So I mean, I've seen churches use you know use Black English as a marketing tool. Well, be, mm-hmm. be like, oh, you know, we're we're gonna we're gonna have something. You know, we're gonna we're gonna say like we out here talking about our <laughs> talking about our small groups, or you know, where's my people at? Um, where where not not where's my people at? Where my people at? Mm-hmm. Talking of, talking about you know promoting promoting small groups or promoting an event or something at the church but then whenever it comes time for black people to bring their full selves and their thought and their and the way that they live and do be it's all of a sudden oh well you know what if you if you want to hold a certain position in the church well you know i can't have if if you want if you want to uh you know be a speaker in the church well you know i can't have you 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 can't you can't be wearing a baseball cap now mind you all the white dudes are wearing baseball caps all in and up and through as a part of their, as a part of their uniform um at the church. But all of a sudden, you know, the, the black, the black preacher or the black pastor, whatever, you know, he can't, he can't wear a cap or, you know, he can't, he can't dress a certain, he can't dress a certain way. You know, he can't have baggy pants or, you know, he can't wear sneakers, even though everybody else is do- is doing that. Right. And so sometimes, you know, we, we end up in these cast, in these roles. And whenever, uh, um we break character essentially for them that presents that presents a problem so it's like you are cast as you are going to be the black person who cares for everybody so you're going to be the black couple that's the care pastors in the church and so you're going to deal with all if if people are having marriage problems in the church we're going to send them to you if people are having are having issues um with with different with different things um that we that we think might be like life-altering issues um we're gonna we're gonna send them we're going to send them to you um somebody somebody dies somebody has a baby or whatever we're gonna we're gonna send them to you and we play those types of roles but then you know the moment that somebody tries to step outside of that role or say you know like I've, i've been i've been serving here i've been whatever you know um what about what about being you know, actually, on like the church staff. What What about getting paid? What about What about uh, serving in a governing position within the church? All of a sudden, the, whenever, whenever we come out, whenever we try to, to try to come out of that role that they cast us in, then all of a sudden it's like, well, you know, we're not sure, and well, you know, we'll have to consider it, or well, you know, we have to we we'll we'll just have to take our time. We've never done something like this before, but the but the level but that level of thought is never. Put in it when it, it put into it whenever um, it's not a black person, <laughs> um, and I've and I've seen that happen so much and so many different types of ways within the church, and it can be it can be very frustrating and it can be uh, very disheartening um, whenever that whenever that happens within again you know whether it's a predominantly white or whether it's a, a multi ethnic church, and it's stuff that sometimes you know people. Their, their mindset about it because because like, there are some people that you know I really think that they that they are that they are trying mm-hmm. to not be racist. They're trying to to be thoughtful and considerate and all these other types of things. Um, But just in the execution of it, they end up doing more hurt and harm to people um, because, you know, they're, they're making a a big deal out of something that really shouldn't be made a big deal out of. It's like, if you, if you care, if this is a multi-ethnic church and um, you know, you have a value of anti-racism, like you have a stated value of anti-racism um, it shouldn't be a big deal to promote a black person or to put or to to have black people in positions of power um but I've just I've I've seen an experience so many times where you know we get sometimes people say that they're anti-racist or that you know that they that they care about these issues but and and they might care about it at a heart level and they they might you know their their heart might be um to be something but then, Whenever it comes to actually practically doing it, um, they they don't want to do the work that would that would actually take to create an environment that is safe, that is that is loving, that is that is caring. And a lot of times, and I'll say this and and then I'll hush up. But you know, mm-hmm. a lot of times, um, the environment in in these types of churches, it becomes one of sacrifice for black people. I'm saying people of color, but really I mean I can speak especially to especially for black folks. Um it becomes where where you're you're coming into that space and um again, you know, speaking from my own experience, often there's a there's a tremendous amount of sacrifice and a tremendous amount of um things that we that we experience and weight that we carry from our experiences with just people just being racist and saying and doing things, um, saying and doing things that are that are harmful. Um, you know, the church that I attended, I I was not there. I was not part of this group. But um, a friend of mine uh, talks about how we we went to the same church for a while, and she talks about like how her and um, a group of other black ladies were just standing around at the church drinking coffee and laughing and having a good time. And somebody in the church, a leader in the church, came up to them and basically was like you know like it's like I'm glad that you all are hanging out and you know having a good time whatever but can you not do this here because it'll make people uncomfortable to see you all together like you all need to spread out like you 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 black women, you group of 4 or 5 black women, like y'all need to y'all need to spread out because it'll make because if they see you all together, it'll make people feel uncomfortable and we can't and we can't have that. You all are free to hang out outside of church, but you know, at church like, you know, don't get too many of you all congregated together. And like fam, that's racist. <laughs> like because you're not you're not saying that. You know, to anybody else, you're not going up to all these all these groups of four or five and six, you know, white women. You're not going up to them and telling them, hey, disperse. Hey, you know, you don't don't you don't have too many of y'all together up in here because it'll it'll start to make people uncomfortable. They weren't they weren't doing that. To anybody else, but they were policing black people at that at that level. And there's so I mean, this I have stories in the book and I have stories that, that aren't in the book, but there were so many I had so many experiences or know of so many experiences like that. And again, you know, this is in a place where people if, if you said, um, you know, do we care if multi ethnic church, you know, one of the most diverse churches in in their city. And if you said to them, like, oh, well, this is racist, they would be like, oh, no, no, like, we we don't want to be racist. We don't like like we want to be anti-racist and all this other type of stuff but meanwhile you got people you got people doing that type of stuff and um it just creates this this thing for us then whenever we whenever we hold that space with people um that sometimes it can become a bit of a burden and it it can become a bit a bit difficult especially if you're someone who is is conscious about race and racism and not all of us are um Mm -hmm. not all not all of us are but if you're conscious of, of certain things it can certainly become it can certainly become difficult
0: I, I totally agree I have not I'm in a DMV um I wouldn't say that there are a lot well I don't want to just generalize but I'm just thinking about uh, many of the I guess I would say most well known churches um as far as the diversity in the multi-ethnic you know congregation there are some mm-hmm. um there are some but one in particular led by a black pastor so he has a different context for what's going on out in culture but i haven't had the pleasure of um being a member of a multi ethnic church i do my mom actually was going to a multi ethnic church and i have visited many times with her but i didn't get that same sense um around some of the topics that you're sharing they did have you know it was very very diverse with black people in leadership hispanic people in leadership you know it was very very diverse and i did not get that sense there was one time when he said something and it kind of piqued my my made me raise an eyebrow um a white pastor but that didn't negate all of the good and in some of it when i'm just hearing from what you're saying couple of thoughts come to my mind is some of what people perception are of black and brown people is just that a perception of what they've been taught and it's been so ingrained as part of their nature that to view people as you know a group of for example a group of black women can't congregate have a nice chat in the hallway and that's Intimidating for some reason. Why does that intimidate you? I don't know that I understand that. I don't know that I will be able to process that. But it just seems to me that it's a part of their nature. And I think one of the most glaring things that I'm here from what I'm hearing you say, because obviously I haven't had some of the same experiences or even talked to people and they've shit those things. Right. So um, one of the most glaring things is, you know, as we're seeking the Lord, as we're building relationship with God, you know, when we, when we, when we get to heaven, which is the ultimate goal, we all live in the live again, right? It is mm-hmm. not going to be just white people, black people. It's going to be, a. It, that's, that's the most multicultural experience that many of us will ever have. If when we're blessed to to see Jesus, if that, if that makes sense. So we need to be asking the Lord to even black people drive out some of those things that the trauma from some of these experiences. And, 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 and if, if, if you are a white person or if any other race, and you have these judgments against people of color or black and brown descent and all of that, we need to be asking to be more like Christ you know, and to drive out some of these perceptions and sit down and just engage with other people so you can understand people. Because just like we, they have perceptions, we can have some perceptions, you know? You know, so it's just hard. We make these judgments against each other and things of that nature. And it's just hard to just process that we're living in this world where we've we've come so far, but yet we haven't, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I just wish that we would be intentional about seeking the Lord in that way. Because when we are worshiping, we shouldn't be thinking about going to church. We shouldn't have to think about some of these things, but we're all human. And it's such an interesting concept that you've brought out. It's such an interesting topic to just even discuss and even put on on words in in a book, really. Um, We haven't even delved into this whole racialized sexism (laughs) You know, that's a whole you know, mm-hmm. it's 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 obviously um a lot of you know racism in different settings, as you say. I like the way you term that, that that was your setting. You know, my setting was in maybe more corporate, so to speak, if you will. Um, but I say all that to say. This is just a good conversation. Hey, Global Girls, I'm talking to Miss Allie Henney. I'm talking to her. We're talking about a lot of things, but in particular, we're talking about her book. Her book, I Won't Shut Up, Finding Your Voice When the World Tries to Silence You. And so, Allie, as we continue this conversation, which we're about to wrap up, but I just have a couple more questions for you. How have you felt like people have tried to silence you? if that, Or silence us, silence black people, silence brown people, silence women, black women. How have you felt that the world has tried
1: to silence you. Oh goodness. That that is well, I mean, it's it's an expansive enough topic that I wrote a, a book about it. But I'll say, um, I guess the short answer to that is just really because of the pervasive culture of racism, um, of, of white supremacy, of white normativity, of that sort of thing in our culture. I think it creates the situation where, um, anything that isn't uh that that doesn't fall into what whiteness says that it should be or how it should be or how it should talk or how it should act or whatever um is often is often silenced is often marginalized is often pushed to the side and so as a as a black woman as a person who grew up in in my black culture and has been in touch with my black culture um for my entire life, there are aspects where I realize that just the way that I thought, the way that I existed, the way um that I lived and moved and and had my being, it didn't match up with the way that the dominant culture said that it should. And so mm. there's an effect that uh that it has the effect of silencing people.
0: Mm. That's awesome. I mean, that's just an awesome thought to like really, really bring out. But that's also more even more awesome that you decided like, I'm not going to shut up. I'm not going to be quiet. I am going to build up basically your speaking platform uh, around this topic because it's just that important. So tell me a little bit about why you decided to write this book. I know you said that you had a lot of experiences. What helped you arrive at? This is the book that I want to write. This is what I want to put out into the world to let my voice be heard.
1: Yeah. I uh, knew that I was going to write a book. And as I was sort of, I knew I was going to write a book about, about race and racism in America. So, as I was gathering things um, just thinking about different stories because I knew that I wanted to kind of tell do something that was a little bit sort of like autobiographical or like a Mm. memoir or whatever so as I was sort of thinking of some different stories and stuff that I wanted to tell I realized that a theme started to emerge and that theme was there being different situations where I felt silenced and so I just sort of built that idea out from there and so Mm -hmm. um, because there were just there were instances uh, where I felt silenced and I silenced uh, because of my my race and because of my gender. And so, um, yeah, I just sort of trace the story from there.
0: Okay, that's awesome. So we talked about a lot. We talked about where the inception of your book came from, the, the stories behind it. It's so interesting, all this history that you have on this topic. Where do we go from here, Allie? If you would be the spokesperson or the champion for pro- progression, in this area, how can we move move ahead? You know, what tips, tools, and strategies do you have? I mean, just two or three, or, or one. What's the biggest um, strategy that you can say to Black, Brown, uh, White people about moving forward in this space, so that way we can get towards our end goal, which is to to commune, to 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 walk out the Great Commission, which is to oh, oh, take the our faith and join together and to worship God we we, we serve one God right so in in the Christian community right so what's the answer what's the strategy to move us forward is my question
1: yeah that's an excellent question I think that those uh, strategies are different for Uh, Black and brown and indigenous people Mm -hmm. versus white people. Mm -hmm. So for Black folks, you know, I really, and I think I I can generalize this to, to other people of color too. I think that it is so important that we really begin to become conscious and aware of the ways that white supremacy has affected us as a people and has affected us individually um in my book, uh, especially toward the beginning I, I talk some about like the the idea of respectability politics so this idea that if if we conform to white culture or white ways of doing things then that will lessen our oppression And so we just sometimes we have these ideas, about like well you know if people would just pull their pants up or you know people would just you know not be so loud or Mm. blah like just those different types of things that we always hear oh well the the fatherless homes even though black men are way more involved with their children even if they don't live in the home they are way more involved with their children than any other than any other race but we have these narratives that that we that we tell that we tell ourselves and that we tell ourselves like as in our individual selves, but that we also tell ourselves collectively that um we try we try to really like police one another and police mm-hmm. and say, well, you know, you've got to you've got to say and do and act and be. And a lot of the times whenever we're doing that, it's coming from wherever you whenever you really start to trace some of the mentality behind it, you see, well, you know, a lot of this is rooted in stuff that we learned on the plantation. And some of them are things that we did to survive. Mm-hmm. on the plantation um but some of these some of the, the thought is it's white supremacy thinking it's it's white uh dominance thinking it's it's all this type of of just kind of wrong-headed ideas about how we should live and move and have our being in the world and so i mm-hmm. think that it's important for us to become conscious of those narratives that we have believed those things that which um we we sort of cling to and kind of you know, look down on other people about, and and even sometimes you know, make up stories about, um, why certain people do this thing that we don't think is good, um, and it's like not even it's not even true, but we sort of make up this make up different stories to shame people. So like people make up stories about about sagging, um, to to get to shame you know, young men from sa- from sagging their pants rather than just being like you know this is a fashion statement I don't have to like it I don't have to agree with it I don't have to do it myself but just but like let them let them kids live like let them people live um, if they if they I mean if you want to walk around with your butt hanging out if you want to walk out, around with your underwear showing then just then like let like let people live there are worse there are worse things in the world that people could be doing like honestly um, but you know we we make up stories and we shame one another over things where I think that we really need to gain a level of consciousness about um, these narratives and these things that we believe and why we believe them and why we participate in these things and why we do them and why we're so and why we are so adamant about um, making sure that other Black people conform to certain ways. You know, if you if you have a preference for you want to be you know five minutes early to every meeting, fine. But if somebody else wants to show up on CP time, let that person live. Again, like you know, it, it's you're not you're not morally better than somebody um mm-hmm. because 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 you could show up someplace you know five minutes five minutes early. But anyway. So I think that it's important for us to to let go of some of those things that are that are anti-black, that are mm. um that are rooted in that in that white supremacy thinking. For white folks, I think that it's very important um, that white people start to investigate the ways that white supremacy is in our society and has dominated our society and to also divorce themselves from white from white supremacy thinking. And then there's the added step of um, where, again, you know, collecting your people, letting your people know like this isn't this isn't um, the right way. Of thinking or doing or whatever but then also the additional additional step is that because white folks are the ones who dominate a lot of the systems, a lot of the structures and institutions in our society they are also, they they also need to be at least in part responsible for um, tearing down those things and um, listening to people of color for how to reimagine and rebuild those things and I think that doing the work of getting uncomfortable so like people find and I think that everybody needs to do this is finding voices that that push your boundaries just a little bit and not push your boundaries in a way that i'm talking about this like a negative pushing your boundaries like they are do they are doing things that like literally are harmful to your to your body or whatever not pushing your boundaries in that type of way but pushing your boundaries pushing you out of your comfort zone maybe that's even the better the better way that i can say it is is pushing you out of your comfort zone so voices that might be to you they might sound a little bit more radical or a little bit more militant or a little bit more whatever than what you're comfortable with but surrounding yourself with those voices and trying to see the world through their through their perspective it doesn't mean that you have to agree with everything that's been said it doesn't mean that you have to understand everything that's being said it doesn't mean that you have to implement everything that's being said and done into your life but i think that that doing that um cultivating space where people have a different a a different sense of politics or different sense of ethics than you do or or they carry out their ethical frameworks in a different way um than what you might i think that it can it can really help us to expand our minds and to see where we might be uh, partnering with anti-blackness or where we we might be partnering with white supremacy or other Mm. such things
0: Mm. wow This has been such a good conversation very enlightening for me as a black person right (laughs) like i said i've gone to be a member of predominantly black churches all my life um i have visited like i said some multi-ethnic churches and you know that's a whole different conversation (laughs) being a part of the black church and all of some of the things that go on in the black church but this conversation this book i think is also so important and necessary to the growth of our community as well as the growth of the church right the growth of the church not the american church not the baptist not the pentecostal not the lutheran not seventh day adventist the church right amen because i think if we all you know look at the end goal with the end goal in mind and how we treat people, how we engage with people, how we serve people. I think it would be the better for all of us, you know, even the challenges that white folks may have with black folks and vice versa, brown. I mean, we all need to just take a step back and look at ourselves in such a way that lets us know that we're all on the same team here. How about that
1: mm-hmm. if we have
0: one goal we're, we, we we all should be following the great commission our goal is to be getting folks saved our goal is to be ministering the gospel so our, our goal is to be taking the word of god to anyone who wants to listen here and receive and so if we could just what they say if we all can get along <laughs> it would be well... just so much better right but until then I will continue to keep this, you know, on my prayer list, right? Because I pray a lot of things, about a lot of things uh, in our culture, and our world, and our government. I pray about a lot of things. And this is something that I haven't necessarily had at the forefront in my mind because I haven't necessarily been at the forefront of it. I haven't necessarily experienced this or that kind of concept of out of sight, out of mind. So I want to thank you, Allie, for bringing this conversation to the Girl Go Global community. It is something that I'm going to, you know, of dig deeper into myself. but until then, I have one last question for you or maybe two. what does it mean for girls to go global in your
1: mind? Oh that's a great question. you know I think that it means that we are taking our essence, who we are um collectively as as women, um, but also individually, the things that we that we bring to the table and it's really spreading it to a wide uh, group of people. And, um, you know, global doesn't necessarily in my mind, it doesn't necessarily have to mean like, oh, around the whole entire world. But it just means like going big. So like, you know, if, if you if your occupation or your hobby or something like that is braiding and it don't mean that you know you might gonna, you know you're gonna be braiding hair like you know you're gonna be over in China like braiding somebody's hair if that's not what I'm saying but going global for you might mean it means going big and so it might mean building up your clientele it might mean um you know you braiding hair um you braiding hair in your in your kitchen or you braiding hair you know in your living room or something like that it's at your house it might mean um becoming you know getting getting licensed and being at a salon it might mean um starting your own salon someday so i really think about it um it's really about like women and girls and and everyone um, who who has who has those kind of shared identities, really doing what they can um, to be able to do the best that they can, and to go as, and to go as big as they can. But of course, doing all of that while still caring for yourself, nurturing yourself, loving yourself, making sure um, that that you're that you're doing well.
0: I love that, and thank you for sharing. So, if well, thank you want to connect having with me. you. If they want to reach in to purchase your book, to have conversation with you, or just simply connect, how can they do that?
1: Yeah, the easiest way um, to connect with me is to go to my website, alliehenny.com and you'll be able to buy um, my book and stuff there. Um, I don't think that my social connections are on there right now because uh, I, I revamped my re- website recently and I don't think that I got that stuff on there. Um, but that will take you to my blog. That'll take you um, to my, my Patreon page where you can subscribe to some of the content that I have. And then you can also find me on Facebook and Instagram and twitter i refuse to call it by the other name um and on on twitter um i'm not on there as much because that's kind of becoming a thing i'm also on threads um and i'm on tiktok and so on uh on twitter i'm uh the armchair at the Armchair Com, which is short for the Armchair Commentary, which is the name of my personal blog, on TikTok, um, I am the Ali Henny, and then everywhere else, I'm just Ali Henny, and so you can find me there.
0: Well, thank you, Ali Henny. This has been a great conversation. I'm looking forward to all that you will do in the world to support not only Black folks but the church, y'all, because we need all the help we can get we need disciples we need kingdom ambassadors in this world so that way we can be doing that great work which god created us to do and gave us a commission to do so thank you for your commitment to ministry in that way and so this has been the girl go global podcast where faith and works are empowered i'm so excited you decided to join me today don't forget to like share and subscribe and don't forget to go global.